Hey Husky fans, Bleed Blue Blog here to discuss UConn at Providence Wednesday, February 10th, a 4 p.m. start on Fox Sports 1. Plan for today, discuss Providence record, their players, what to look for. A quick note, for those who don't know, I am in grad school right now, so semester is in full swing. I'm also starting a second job to not only give some more get some more money but take necessary steps to my goal for the 2021 year landing a job in college athletics so with all that being said between initial work other work classwork it's going to be difficult to produce the amount of content I've been producing, aka podcast, video breakdowns, previews, rapid reactions. I love what I do. I love providing all of it for you. I put a lot of work into it. There's a lot that goes into it in terms of preparation. I never want to put out a product that's not going to tell the full story, especially for you guys on UConn Twitter. So just kind of a lot on the plate right now. Um, academics have to come first. I still want to keep my girlfriend, who I love very much. And so at this point, you know, I'll still try to watch as many games as I can. Maybe I'll tweet out some some thoughts during during those games. But at the moment, all the breakdowns, the previews, the reactions, they're just going to have to take a, a back seat, maybe March for the Big East tournament, for the NCAA tournament, if we're fortunate enough to get there, which I think we will be, maybe we can kind of pull some stuff out of the woodworks, but it's been a pleasure, I love doing it, my video breakdowns are by far the most fun thing I have doing, but like I said, there's a lot that goes into it, and so right now it's just got to take a back seat, but thank you for all the loyal listeners and all the people who enjoy what I do because we do it for you. All right, quick word from our sponsor, and then we will discuss Providence. Providence Friars, 9-10 and 10 overall, 5-8 and eight in Big East play. They've lost three in a row, Georgetown by one, Seton Hall by 17, and most recently, St. John's by 11. Their five wins in Big East play include three overtime wins, They beat Seton Hall to open up Big East play. They beat DePaul in double overtime, and they had a win against Marquette in overtime. That's actually the last time that the Friars have won. Providence also has big wins over Butler and Creighton, a game in which big man Nate Watson scored 29 points on 12 of 19 shooting, all from two, because that's what he does. To some numbers, they are 78th in Ken Palm, 63rd in offensive efficiency, 106th in defensive efficiency. It's the first time since 2014 that the Ed Cooley-led Providence Friars have been ranked outside the top 42 in adjusted defense efficiency. So this is unlike your usual Providence Friars teams that we remember. Like many of our Big East counterparts, Providence likes to play slow and in the half court, ranking 297th in adjusted tempo, 281st in average possession length. In the half court, they rank 208th in effective field goal percentage, 221st in three-point percentage at 32%. 
They don't turn the ball over that much, ranking 67th in turnover percentage. And a majority of their points, 55%, come off the two-pointer. Providence does most of their work through three main facets, pick and roll, post-up game, and transition. They go to the pick and roll about 25% of possessions and are scoring close to 40% on those possessions, which is about average. The post-ups, led by Nate Watson, accounts for 13% of all possessions. They're shooting 51% whenever the ball enters the post. That ranks 51st in the country, and that success mostly comes from 6'10 senior Nate Watson, who we will discuss later. In transition, Providence shooting about 58%, which ranks 44th in the country. However, as mentioned before, they don't really look to get out and run all that often. Lastly, Providence shooting just 33% on catch and shoots, which is below average. On the defensive side of the ball, Providence ranks 179th in effective field goal percentage D, 298th in turnover percentage, meaning they don't turn opposing teams over all that often. They rank 243rd in opposing teams' offensive rebound percentage, meaning they allow offensive rebounds. Defending the three pretty well, allowing just 31% shooting, which ranks 74th in the country. However, they're allowing over 50% on twos. In pick and roll defense, Providence allowing 42% shooting to opponents, which is a little below average. However, quick note going a little bit more in depth in their pick and roll defense, when ball handlers keep the ball on the pick and roll, Providence is allowing a score just 33% of the time. But when opponents pass to the screener, Providence is allowing close to 60% shooting. Okay, so ball handler keeps it. They're good at defending that. Ball handler hits the screener. Not as good as defending that. So I don't know if that means rotations are poor, whether the guy hedging or going under the screen or sagging is having a difficult time getting back to the initial matchup. They've been very good at defending the post, allowing just 39% shooting on all post entries, but have struggled on the glass Like we said, they allow offensive rebounds. And on those offensive rebounds, they are allowing 65% shooting on those putbacks. Catch and shoots, Providence allowing 33% shooting, which is good. In transition, they are allowing a score about 50% of the time. Providence will play zone, playing it 21% of the time this season. However, they are allowing 46% shooting in their zone D, which is actually worse than their man defense. To the players, starting with number zero, Nate Watson, senior, 6'10", 260, averaging close to 33 minutes per game, 18 points per game, 6.8 rebounds per game, shooting 61% from the field. He has posted up 140 times this season. When the ball is entered to him in the post, Providence is shooting 53% from the field as a team, 54% when he keeps it, and 50% on his passes out of those 140 post-ups Watson keeping it 122 times passing it only 18 shooting 64% on cuts so around the rim okay on dump offs or alley-oops when the help defense comes on offensive rebounds or putbacks he's shooting 62% when he's been passed to on the roll he's 13 for 19 from the field overall around the basket in non-post-up situations He's shooting 65%. He ranks 90th in the country in effective field goal percentage. He scored in double digits in all but one game this year. One game this year, excuse me. He's coming off 30-point performance in the loss to St. John's. As mentioned before, he had 29 in the win over Creighton earlier this year. So what that all means, Watson scores the ball. He only shoots two-pointers. He does a lot of his work around the rim. That's where he's successful. 
okay? His post-up numbers, I was doing some research on Synergy. He's top out of players who have posted up over 100 times. His field goal percentage ranks, I think, 17th. So he is... They like to throw it to him, and when they do, he succeeds. Moving on to number three, David Duke Jr., 6'5", 205, averaging 37.6 minutes per game, 17.5 points, six rebounds, and five assists, a do-it-all guard shooting 40% from the field, 40% from three. In catch and shoots, he's shooting 32%. It's been used in the pick and roll 230 times. Overall, Providence shooting 36% from the field, 38% when he keeps it. He has also been posted up 20 times. When he has posted up, Providence overall shooting 8 for 14 from the field. He's shooting 50% when he keeps it in the post. He is averaging about three turnovers per game. He's 35% off the dribble. He's been isolated this year as well. Providence shooting 34% in isolation situations when Duke has the ball. He's 3 for 21 coming off screens. He's played 91.5% of minutes for Providence, 24th on Ken Palm. His assist rate ranks 108th. After scoring in double figures in every game this year, he has failed to reach double digits in the last three games, which have all coincidentally been losses for the Friars. He's averaging almost six assists in Big East play. So what that all means, Duke does it all for the Friars. Okay, I know he was on mock drafts. I haven't really looked, to be honest. I was talking to some friends who are Providence fans, and they feel like they have. he's kind of... Pl- he is playing his way out of the lottery and that he should just come back and run it back. But he's a do-it-all guard. They'll put him in all sorts of situations, pick and rolls, post-ups, isolations, coming off screens, and he is able to create for his teammates. On to number 11, A.J. Reeves, junior 6'6", 205, 30.9 minutes per game, averaging almost 10 points per game, 3.8 rebounds per game, 34% from the field, 32% from three. However, he is the Friars' top three-point threats, okay? He had a season-high 28 against Georgetown earlier this year, six for 12 from three. He leads the Friars in three-point attempts in those catch-and-shoot situations, shooting 32%. Hasn't really been involved in the pick-and-roll much, just 13 times. Providence five for 10 as a team when he does go to the pick-and-roll, 29% off the dribble. He comes off the screen 43 times, shooting 35%. Yes, sorry, I'm pausing here. I can't understand my notes. 29% off the dribble, 43 times off screens, 35%. Oh, scoring on 40, I got it now. Sorry about that. He's scoring on 42% of off-screen possessions, meaning what? Meaning while he's only shooting 35% from the field, he gets fouled in those coming off-screen situations. Sorry for the pause there. Number 14, Noah Horschler has carved out a role for Ed Cooley and the Friars. He's a redshirt senior, 6'8", 220, averaging about 17 minutes per game, only 5.4 points per game, 4.5 rebounds per game, 41% from the field, 14 for 31 from three, 44% in catch-and-shoot situations. He is only 13 for 31 around the basket in non-post-up situations. So those are off-cuts, offensive rebounds, etc. He's one for seven off the dribble. Those stats aren't great. However, he's ranked 74th in the country in offensive rebound percentage. He's had double-digit offensive rebounds nine times this year. He's coming off back-to-back double-digit performances. He had 10 against Seton Hall and then 19 in the loss to St. John. So Horschler, Providence has some guys out right now. I don't know if they'll be back for the game. Horschler slowly carving out a role. He 
is very good on the glass. Someone that UConn's going to have to keep off the glass. Number 10, Alan Breed, freshman, 6'3", 180, close to 20 minutes a game, 5.3 points per game, shooting 44% from the field, 8 for 23 from 3, 31% in catch and shoot. Providence will use Breed in the pick and roll, 45 times as a ball handler, shooting 44% overall, the Friars are, and Breed 10 for 19 on keeps in the pick and roll. He's had three double-digit performances this year, including 18 in the loss to Villanova and then 15 in their win over Creighton. Lastly, number one, Greg Gantz, sophomore, 6'8", 215, 24 minutes a game, 4.1 points per game, 3.5 rebounds per game, 40% from the field, 8 for 13 from 3. 24% in all catch-and-shoot situations and 6-for-16 around the basket in non-post-ups. Two guys for Providence. Again, don't know if they're playing. First, number five, Jimmy Nichols Jr. He's uh, 6'8", 220 forward slash big, close to 17 minutes a game, six points per game, 9-for-22 from three. He's out indefinitely due to an unspecified illness, so we're not totally sure what that means. And then number four, Jared Bynum, redshirt sophomore, 5'10", 180, giving the Friars some backcourt depth backcourt depth that they're now lacking he was averaging close to 30 minutes per game he's out with a lower leg injury okay so we'll see if he is back I don't think he's supposed to be he is averaging four and a half assists per game however two for 28 from three okay what we are looking for first defending Nate Watson as we mentioned he is a phenomenal post presence for the Friars so how does UConn defend him His 140 post-up possessions rank 22nd in the country. So again, something that Providence wants to go to. It's a huge part of their actions or their offense. But what are those actions that Cooley goes to in order to get the ball to him on the post? Cooley has been known to go to the flex in recent games. If you don't know the flex, it's what Gary Williams used to use at Maryland. Basically, you have a two-guard front, okay, and then three guys along the baseline. And it's essentially just pass and screen, um, So it would be a pass from the two guards up top, and that would initiate a flex screen or a cross screen down by the blocks, okay? It's the oldest used offense in the books by some some measures, but Cooley has brought it out for these games. So we'll see that. That'll just be fun to watch from a basketball nerd standpoint. Um, So again, what are the other actions that Cooley goes to? UConn, how do they defend Watson? UConn this year along 44% shooting on all post-ups, which is a little bit above average. They've only been posted up 73 times this year. So, you know, Watson is certainly a different animal with the amount that the Friars go to him. UConn, when they played Marquette earlier in the year, doubled John, Theo John, and had very solid rotations out of it. We saw some doubling attempts against Seton Hall and Mamu. And while Mamu is a bit of a different animal in terms of what he can do, the defensive rotations on doubling him were not all that sound. So I can remember one or two possessions where rotations were not crisp enough. But Watson, you know, when the ball is passed him down there, he's going up with it. Again, only passed two on 18 post-up, only passed out of 18 post-up possessions. He's keeping it 122 out of those 140 times. So when you double him, you're forcing him either to pass it or throw up a tough contested shot. However, those defensive rotations for UConn need to be crisp if they're going to double. Providence, not a great three-point shooting team. They don't shoot all that often. Only 32% of their points come by way of the three-pointer. So when you are doubling him, okay, you can commit to it. And then you got to 
close out on your rotation, short choppy steps, force them to shoot over the top. If they make them, they make them, but I would assume that would be the scout. And again, that's where game reps comes into play, right? Where if you're not used to the scout, if you're not used to going over the scout, it's been 10 days since your last scout, okay? That's stuff that helps with rhythm, okay? I'm guarding this guy, I know what he does. That all helps when you're off. It's hard to keep that going, keep it engaged. So probably want to run Reeves off the three-point line. Not sure about Duke shooting just shooting 40% from three, but just 32% catch and shoot. So maybe you just force him into tough over the top threes. And again, if he makes those, you just tip your cap. But I expect Reeves, you don't want him to get hot. Again, he had that six for 12 performance against Georgetown. All right, so you're really trying to take him away because if he gets hot and then you have the out inside and out presence between Reeves and Watson and then Duke doing it all, that's where things could get messy for UConn. So how do they double Watson? What are those rotations out of it? Are they improved from the Seton Hall game? Also, who gets the majority of minutes on Watson? You know, obviously you would assume Sonogo to start on him. And then you wonder how Sonogo, a freshman, can compete against a well-established senior like Watson. It's going to be a great test for him. Okay, we know how Sonogo can do on offense. We will see on defense, especially if Sonogo's getting put in those pick and rolls. Okay, he likes to ball watch for a little too long. Got to bust his butt back, find Watson. Okay, because they're going to look for, you know, they might not look for the post entry out of the initial pick and roll, but after they reverse it a couple times, then they'll look for him down low. So Sonogo, rather than watching the ball, you just got to sprint back to your man. Luckily for UConn, the MIGs can probably hold on a little bit longer due to the not as big of three-point threats. Again, yes, you have Reeves, you have Duke, okay, but everyone else you're kind of living with. So who guards Watson? Sonogo, we'll see how he does. I would expect to see Whaley on him as well and those Whaley at the five lineups. Next tallest player for Providence is 6'8", so not like Seton Hall where you're going against a huge front court and you know, you're almost taking a risk playing Martin or Polly at the four against Providence. You should be able to get away with those smaller lineups. You know, those smaller lineups for UConn have been better offensively, you know, or at least they were against Seton Hall than when playing the traditional two big. So we'll see where Hurley goes with that. You know, with all that being said, due to Providence smaller front court, this should be a game where UConn can keep their traditional two big lineup if it's something they want to go with. We'll see if the ball screen continuity offense continues to develop in this game. Wasn't gone to that much against Seton Hall since most of our success on offense came from Martin at the four lineups. We also tried to have Martin in one of those, you know, kind of the big positions in that continuity offense where he's the one you know, rolling, replacing, catching, reverse, ball screening. It was great to see him there because I think it's a place where he could have success. However, it's a non-traditional position for him. So I'm curious if we go back to it with more reps or we just scrap it. We say, hey, he's not comfortable doing that. Let's get out of it. We gave it a try. Okay. But by playing Whaley and Sonogo, having those two bigs, if you go to the ball screen continuity offense, if Providence is playing man, you know, you open the ability to roll to the empty side of the offense after you've reversed it a couple times. And again, Providence not great at defending the roll this year, allowing teams to shoot 57% from the field when the screen setter is passed to. So that's something we saw in the Creighton game early where we'd reverse it a couple times. Sonogo would set that ball screen roll. There's no one over there. It's an empty side. And then it's just a matter of if he can make a play. The first half against Seton Hall, um, sorry, let me back up. You know, so that's what you're looking for as a roll man. As the ball handler, you must get downhill into the paint coming off that ball screen. First half against Seton Hall, this was not done all that well. Second, you know, Seton Hall was icing it, meaning they're basically telling you, hey, we're not even going to let you use the screen. We're just going to reject you to the other side. Okay. So second half, we started to see a little bit more of UConn 
adapting to this ice coverage. They split the hard hedge. Okay, Cole did it a couple times, get into the paint. Gaffney looked to create a little bit more off the pick and roll. If the pick and roll is going to continue to be a staple of the offense, UConn's guards must improve on getting downhill. One of my favorite quotes, your eyes tell the story. If you come off that ball screen with your head up, eyes on the rim, looking to score, now the defense is more likely to commit to you, and that's when the passes open up for your teammates. If you come off looking to pass, that's when you get in trouble and you get a no man's land. You always want to come off that ball screen looking to score. Flipping back to defense real quick, if you're Hurley and staff, you want to win this game with your defense. There's been a lot of emphasis placed on the offense over the past few weeks, and rightfully so with book night out, the half-court offense struggling, not converting on those advantage situations, but as we approach mid-February, March right around the corner, have to recommit to what you're good at, which is defense and offensive rebound, but especially defense. Against Providence, they play in the half court. They're not your typical PC defense team, so if you're UConn, you know, maybe you can just find success with traditional offense, but you want to get back to your defense. You want to get those kill stops, three stops in a row. You want to lock down defensively for multiple stretches. You want to have that defense turn into offense when you need a critical stop, either in the first half, late in the first half, or mid-second half, if you're trying to come back or you're trying to expand your lead, you have to get those stops. You have your defense lead to your offense, and then you just hope you get quality shots in the half court. And if they go in, great. If not, well, hopefully book night is back. But again, recommit to the defense. All right, try to turn that defense into offense and go from there. Not going to go through all the players like we usually do, but just kind of curious to see how the offense builds off last game, specifically Gaffney, Jackson, Sonogo. How do Polly and Adams respond? Their minutes went down in that Seton Hall game, especially with Jackson, you know, providing what he provided. Is Book Knight back? Can Martin shoot more than four times? How do we keep him engaged from, from the start on offense? Do we put him on Duke to start? Okay, 6'5", Duke, all right. Or do we put him on Reeves, 6'6", just have him take away the three? We'll see. Can Whaley finally get right on offense, just finish some of those around the rim in non-dunk situations? Where does Cole fit in now with Gaffney really establishing himself as a capable point guard? You know, can we push Cole more off the ball? What is the starting lineup? Whatever it is, don't freak out. It is what it is. Hurley has his reasons. Again, hopefully books back and then we can go from there. So last thing I will say, Providence allowing close to 50% shooting on inbounds plays under the hoop and on after timeout sets. UConn about average in baseline out of bounds but they are shooting 43% out of timeouts, which is very, very good. So just something to monitor, maybe steal a couple points here or there. Okay, so that's pretty much going to wrap it up Wrap it up for us. We covered a lot. Essentially what I'm looking for is how we're defending Nate Watson in the post. Who's guarding him? What do those rotations look like? Are they more established, more crisp than the Seton Hall game? Who's guarding Watson? Who's guarding Duke? Are we taking away Reeves? What does our offense look like? Are we playing with the two bigs in Whaley and Tanogo and getting successful action out of our ball screen continuity? Offense, can Jalen Gaffney continue to get downhill on those pick and rolls and create for his teammates? Can UConn get back to their elite defense, commitment to defense, commitment to excellence? Not sure if we'll be able to watch the whole game. Again, it's a 4 p.m. start. Fox Sports 1, Wednesday, February 10th. Got some things going on after school. Got class. All that jazz that you guys don't really need to know about. Thank you so much for listening. Who knows the next time we'll have a pod. And whatever it is, I hope you tune in. And uh, we love you, UConn fam. All right. Thanks for listening.